0: Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Fraser Allen and welcome to episode 19. Now, here's a question for you. What do you get if you take the second youngest sibling from a family of nine children? Bring her up in Aberdeenshire in an encouraging competitive environment Add a love for collecting girl guide badges, a natural desire to lead people, and an accountant's eye for detail. And add to all that a liberal sprinkle of joie de vivre. And what do you get? I'll tell you exactly what you get. You get Lorna Jack, Chief Executive of the Law Society of Scotland. I really enjoyed meeting Lorna, hearing about her modernisation of the Law Society, her long career with Scottish enterprise, and her early days in the pioneering world of cable TV. Do you remember that? What's more, this episode even includes the recitation of a poem, and a very good poem at that. I met Lorna at the headquarters of the Law Society of Scotland in Edinburgh. Lorna Jack, Chief Executive of the Law Society of Scotland, lovely to meet you. Lovely to Um, meet you. You began life in Fraserburgh, didn't you? So I did indeed. So what was your childhood life and what sort of things did you dream of doing when you were wow, growing up?
0: those are big questions. So I had a, I had a super start in, in life. Um, uh, grew up from fairly ordinary family, uh, maybe ordinary in terms of how we grew up, but uh, maybe the extraordinary part was there were nine children. So nine. I was eight wow. child out of nine. Right. To parents, my my father had been uh, in the merchant navy and uh, in the RAF in in um, World War Two. Sorry, in the Fleet Air Arm in World War Two. So I was at the at the late stage of this family. Um, uh, my mum would was a, a, a ward bride and so she worked through through the right. the the, the uh, through World War Two um but became a full time mum and she then she must have had a handful. grandmother and then great grandmother as life well. went on. So so were
1: you the, the sort of cheeky young one that managed to get away with things that your, your I, older brothers? It's, it's did? an interesting
0: one. I guess my eldest sister was probably the one that had the toughest time being the first right. child of nine. Mm-hmm. And then as the family went on, it got easier and easier. So myself and my younger sister probably had the. They like to think of us, the rest of my siblings, as having had the the easiest of times. Um, but I guess as a family, it, the kind of character I grew up with was. Um, understanding that uh, you know my parents were proud they would encourage us to do everything that we possibly could do they wanted more for us than they had Growing up, they both came from very humble backgrounds. My father had set up a business when he when he left um, the forces, which became very successful. And so he always encouraged us to do all we could do. But there was also a grounding and a leveling there because when you're one of nine, Mm. you compete for attention, you compete for, and so there's always somebody who may be. You know better at sport or more interesting at, su- at such and such so you know it was a kind of nice grounding place to be as so an encouraging environment but but um but also one that that, that you know you were part of a group right. you weren't uh, yeah. kind of there yeah. to be uh, put on some pedestal so yeah I guess I got strong roots but also wings I got that mm-hmm. um, encouragement to do whatever I wanted to do so um and what did you want to do? Well, that's an interesting one. So my father ran a fish processing business that that was set up in Fraser, employed around 100 people at one point there and also had this branch in France. But he was always clear that it would be what my three brothers that would go into that, and that the girls, yeah. our three boys and six girls, the girls could do anything they liked, that he would support us to do that, but the business would go the boys' way. Now, I never wanted to run a fish processing <laughs> business, not my dream job. But when I think back on my childhood, I think, well, did I really have a dream about what I wanted to do? Probably not till my teens, Um, But I always, um, and possibly that's connected to this large family, I then had um, younger nieces and nephews who were just a little bit younger than me, so I found myself often looking after, bossing around is what they might Mm. say. I I really enjoyed Girl Guides. I ended up doing leadership things there. I ended up doing badges that were all about achievement. And so, although I can never quite remember thinking, oh, you know, I want to be a pilot or I want to be a nurse or I want to be a teacher, I always wanted to do things that got me involved with groups of people and leading things. So that was probably a feature that I never really understood about myself when I was young, but Mm -hmm. I now understand it much better now, right, yeah, looking a, a, back, you know, yeah, looking, looking yeah. back on it. So, so yeah, it was probably um, in my teens that I decided I, I kind of admired my father's business, I admired his style of, of doing things. He's very much a go getter, very entrepreneurial. And thought, well, maybe if I go study accountancy, it was very business orientated He encouraged me on that. I mm-hmm. thought professionals were where, you know, it was an opportunity he didn't have. And so he encouraged me very much to go into that profession. So I kind of found my way, as I, you know, 16, 17, thinking, I want to be an accountant. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I had a brother-in-law who was an accountant. Uh, subsequently, to, to another two of my sisters did exactly the same as me. Mm. Um, uh, and and well, so it's a
1: very useful profession to, to have. To be, to have isn't it? But
0: I don't know that I, you know that in my my mind's eye I wanted to be a practicing accountant. Mm. But I knew it was something that would take me into a world of understanding business and yeah. understanding figures and understanding uh, all of that. So that that was really my path into to kind of university. Mm. And as I say, very much encouraged. I think my parents, no matter what I said, if I'd said teaching, if I'd said banking, if I'd said, they would have mm. said, great. As long as it's what you want to do, and you be the very best at it, go after it. You know, yeah. was was kind of the attitude in our family.
1: And you went to, to Aberdeen, not too far, so you could always and nip home if you are missing your parents. Absolutely.
0: So I went quite young. I went at seventeen. Um, whenever I got my grade, so I had this kind of driving again. This very much maybe that's the Girl Guide badge collector. How you know? <laughs> however, whenever I had the hires that were sufficient to get into the. Uh, ME in accountancy, I went for it. So that was after fifth year, had it, had the right grades at hires, went straight in and pursued this um, accountancy with economics was my was my uh, major, no. as the Americans yeah. would say. That um, kind of uh, you know arrival at Aberdeen was quite a revelation to to live and to 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 learn with young people with no mm. kind of parental supervision around. Became um, my kind of early eye opener to what mm. the world might might look like. Um, so I have no regrets. Even though I went quite close to home, I did return in the first few months with the laundry and the you mm. know the kind of whenever I needed uh, care and maintenance. But then eventually those trips became longer mm. and longer, mm. and I yeah. enjoy the kind of um, life that that the university uh, uh, um, presented to me. I took on a couple of leadership roles uh, whilst there. I um, I led the, uh, I think that was in my second year of Miami, I led the um, outlying districts campaign for the Aberdeen University's charity okay. which was effectively getting all of the groups of students that were from Fraser and Turriff and Peterhead mm. to run campaigns in their local oh, right. area um, and those were interesting experiences for me because I never set out with the aim of, of doing those things mm. but somehow, you know, I don't know, inspiring the group to kind of let's, let's try a bit harder, let's make a bit more money let's... Um, mm. Let's do a bit more. It, it, it was something that, that uh, it seemed to come naturally to me sure, at, yeah, that, yeah. at that stage.
1: So with those kind of experiences shaping you, presumably when you left Aberdeen, you weren't thinking, oh, I really want to spend the rest of my life pouring over ledges in a quiet <laughs> little accountancy <laughs> practice somewhere.
0: This is when I'm uh, always very um, careful about what I say about accountants, because... Uh, they're not all as they're portrayed in the uh you know the monty python sketch i want to be a lion tamer if you've ever seen it so i did leave university with the intention of becoming a chartered accountant and so i went into a um, into an accounting practice i secured a traineeship with arthur anderson which is one of the best international traineeships you could get at the time very sad that they've you know, their demise mm. happened, uh, in, you know, just a couple of dec- decades ago. Um, and, and you know, I had the best training with them. I did audit. I did all the things that, you know, did tax. Uh, and I um, had a great experience with them. I had a great training with them. They opened my eyes to international connections. You know, when colleagues that had joined some of the other firms were off doing their first um, effectively their first training together in Birmingham or Leeds, we were sent to Geneva and connected with the Norwegian office and with the American office. And so it was it, it was really probably my first exposure to businesses that were, were global. Mm. Um, and, and so I had the super experience, but I knew... That my path was not going to be to remain inside an accounting firm and make my way up through the partnership level. They gave me great experience in leadership again. Very early, I led on a couple of audits and as a as a junior junior accountant and thinking, well, you know, they, they gave you that experience. They gave you training in people management, mm-hmm. they gave you training in all the kind of aspects of early leadership. Um but yes, accounting wasn't really my, my driver. Mm-hmm. Um so, so what happened next? So what ne- happened next was I went to join a client um, oh, right. called Aberdeen Cable TV. I was very young. I would have been, um, I guess, maybe 23 when I joined them. And I went in to be their, um, initially their management accountant. They were one of the first 11 companies in the UK that got a, a cable TV mm-hmm. license. This was pre-satellite um, TV. Yeah. And so a very exciting industry to go into. I had been their auditor and, and switched over in-house, if you like. And um, they gave me this great opportunity. They were a a startup that was seriously funded by by big companies like Time Warner, BT. Oh. Um, and I, I was on their board. I was their company secretary. So I got to do some really big big uh, important roles mm. in this, what was effectively a, a, a rapid startup, up um, and, and so that was fascinating, working with uh, some folks from that sector and um, as part of a management team with, in functions that I hadn't experienced, so sales and marketing ops, some of the areas yeah. that, that were very different and um, it was a fun time, I went we went through three refinancings and in a very short period of time, and every time we went through a refinance, some of the larger investors would take a bigger and bigger share. So eventually, we became a subsidiary of BT. All right. Um, and that's when my role became less interesting mm. because I became a, a an accountant reporting inside a a um. A large corporate, you know where there might have been seventeen of us you know all doing the same thing across Britain, we were brought together and that kind of being part of a a management team, a leadership team that was actually yeah. forming and 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 uh, driving strategy became less uh, part of my role and and that's when I, I suppose I started looking around for well that wasn't what I intended
1: sure
0: um and that's when I joined um sc- Predecessor to Scottish Enterprise, Scottish uh, Scottish Development Agency, just as it was becoming Scottish Enterprise, and joined them in Grampian, actually, in, in Aberdeenshire, based um, in, in, in Aberdeen, uh, which again was a wasn't a part of a plan. When I think of my career and I hear people talking about career plans. It was simply that I'd reached this place where I thought you've got into a very narrow field in cable t- TV. Mm, there are mm. only ten other it companies; is. they're all owned by BT now. So, yeah. what do you do now? And when I was looking around, took advice from a friend and said, "Well, what should I do?" To-? You know, I've gone from having a broad scope um, mm. with Andersons, fairly broad. A lot of our work was oil and gas. A lot of what was an offer in Aberdeen was oil and gas. And I was thinking, is that where I want to go? And he said, you should go look at, at, at these jobs that are advertised by by, by SD, SDA, now Scottish Enterprise, because they will expose you again to a whole series of industry sectors. Yeah. And they were looking for business development people. And I thought, that's quite interesting. Yeah, you know, I might might yeah, go have, yeah, a, yeah. have a look at that. Yeah. Applied was successful. And, and that conversation with that colleague um, said, you know, you might want to spend three or four years there, again widen up what you know, Mm -hmm. um, broaden up the scope, and then then decide. Mm. But actually, I ended up staying there for the longest time. I think I ended up there 15 years. Right. Again, nothing like the job I went into laterally. Obviously, I was running their operations in the US, having gone via the chief executive role at Forth Valley. But um, the role I took on initially was... Using my accounting skills was looking at putting investments into into companies um either startup or companies that were small and progressing and so you know making the case to put public 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 finance into them all of them um with returns in that particular scenario but when i when I looked at what they had an offer, you know again they were offering me the opportunity to step into leadership roles, leading teams mm. that did various things, ended up running their there, uh, and Grampy and the team that um, delivered all of that type of activity to the food sector, oh, okay. food processing sector. Yeah. But having done that, there was then a job to look after the whole of the food processing sector in in um, Glasgow, so the kind of Scottish-wide role, and that was a natural promotion for me. I applied for that, and that mm. was my first move out of, of Aberdeenshire. And did that for a number of years uh, again um, uh, successfully. That brought me into international business development, promotion of the sector, skills development in the sector. And I suppose that's the the great thing about that organization. It gave it gave you lots of scope into areas mm. that I now realise gave me the opportunity to pursue, you know, chief executive territory. Um, but at that time, it was really very much about about um, uh, you know delivering to a to a sector across a number of a, a number of functions. And this
1: was the girl guardian year as well, collecting different skill sets that like used to collect I the suppose, badges. I suppose it is mm. quite
0: interesting that that maybe I I was never a. I was never destined to be a um, sit in a role for 20 years person, that I was always going to look for enlargement and and something of of growth in everything that I did. The job that I did, so I'll tell you a little kind of side, um, I feel like I'm talking through my kind of life journey here, but a little um, side thing I did just at the tail end of that job, possibly because I was really loving working with that sector, the companies that were in it were very... um, so they were really up for doing things that international promotion skill development you know export manager for hire there were lots of programs we had going and I could see myself thinking you're not actually learning anything more but you're finding it very hard to let go because the sector is very you know is a lot of fun to work with so i um, i uh, took a decision it was this was in my um mid 30s uh to, to give up work for a year and travel Bye. Um, Bye. Uh, my little side story of this having told you about the importance of my family and mm. I, 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 so I handed him a notice I said to my boss I want, I, I, I'm going to go I'll help you to a success but I'm, I'm going to go and I'm just going to spend a whole year travelling the world and 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 learning something about life beyond Scotland and -hmm. and kind of the the working world I told my brother that evening after I'd handed him a notice and he said to me you've done what? you know you will never work again and I said what do you mean? and he said people will see you as flaky (laughs) And I said, well, they're not seeing me as a risk taker. And, you know, somebody that's up for, for pushing themselves mm. out of their comfort zone. And he was very kind of disappointed. Really? Older brother, I have to say. Yeah. So I had this year out. Mm. Spent, so you were just travelling on your own? Uh, no, with a friend, right. uh, a male friend. We yeah. we went uh, and, we tra- and and, you know, my learnings from that time, definitely another. There are a few moments in my life that have been the making of me. And that year was definitely one of them, to just go and realise that the world, you know, there's lots going on in the world. I travelled to South America, you know, on, on, on overnight buses and truly budget travel. By this stage of my life, I was used to staying in reasonably priced uh, hotels. Mm. And so I was going back to this, everything you have is on your back for a year and everything, you will stay whatever you can afford mm-hmm. and you'll travel overland. Um, and so, you know, South America, the southern states, Mexico, New Zealand, Australia, Nepal, Hong Kong, Nepal. And, you know, I had a bigger dream that I would get to Russia and to large parts of Africa, and realising, actually, a year's not a long time. And so I managed to get into India, but there are lots of places I was having to make priority choices. Is it China or is it <laughs> India? But you're not going to get both because they're big, big, big areas. Um, but I had just this super, super experience, and and I kind of think it it probably um, satisfied this. I, I don't want to say regret because I never have regrets for what I've done, but but um, that other people had done that at an earlier stage in their life, maybe mm. just between school and university, or between university and 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 I had been so driven earlier on to get my chartered accountancy, I'd taken no breaks. Right. And so that year was, I kept reminding myself, you know, this is very unique to get a full year away mm. and to, um, to you know, really, so use it. Mm. Uh, I would find myself at times staying in hostels and meeting, you know, youngsters that were kind of 10, 15 years younger me and saying, kind of shaking them at their best and saying, stop clubbing the way around the world, <laughs> go out and see it, you know, because once you start working, it's very different. Um but yeah, it was a it was a super year, and, mm. and again a making of me moment. And um, my brother's prediction did not come true. I returned. Did a job straight away, or? Well, I returned mm. actually to Scottish Enterprise again yeah, because I right. kept my networks there, and they had right. a they had a role that was very appealing at that time to kick off a piece of work, or to, uh, bring together a very small team to research and deliver a study on why Scotland wasn't producing. Um, a proportionate number of global companies and and so I did that, uh, got that piece of work going and then when I saw the chief executive of Scottish Enterprise Forth Valley coming up decided I'd give it a go, felt it had a number of my skill sets from the time before and also frankly this kind of global experience I'd had Mm. probably was my differentiator when I came to meet my competition in that in right. that interview <laughs> there you go, your brother because, was wrong yes, we were all very much of a muchness mm. um, that may sound very mean but you know, we all had very similar backgrounds and the thing that made me a bit different was that I'd stepped out of my comfort zone done mm. this thing without knowing what I would ever mm-hmm. do beyond that year and, and was quite confident and also had just learned in a very practical way about the world and what was yes. going yeah, on in it yeah. uh, so my interest was maybe a bit
1: yeah. bit
0: broader. Yeah.
1: So how did that role go? What, what did you learn from it?
0: So, so yeah, became um, chief exec of Scottish Enterprise for while. became deputy chief executive to a very experienced chief exec. And he was, it remains one of my um, strongest mentors in my career in that he allowed me to practice at being the chief executive with a huge safety net underneath. So, you know, kind of he would let me do the things that he would ordinarily have done, mm. but be there for me if I was concerned about, you know, stakeholder relationships or perhaps I hadn't quite landed something well with our board. or And, and so that was a kind of year. He was always clear that he was recruiting a successor mm. and that it was just a, a, a case of when he would go and and so yeah i i i um learned lots from him um it was a a a a great kind of four or five years almost five years that i did that for um learned again more about economic development at the strategic level uh working with you know both large companies and small in yeah. the Force valley area grangemouth was one of my my big um uh, areas and so all of the large companies around there, BP to, to, to eventually to Ineos there, um, so so yeah, it was a it was an interesting, um, challenging, particularly challenging because the area went through a number of very large scale losses from uh, textiles, mining, and then. Right the reduction in the size of the workforce at with, mm. and we were having to figure out what to do in response to that. So how do you create economic activity around these kind of uh, events? So, so mm. yeah, it was a great opportunity. Thoroughly enjoyed my time at Forth Valley. It was probably shorter than I hoped it would be. Mm. And um, How long were you there? F- five years. Right. And I say shorter than it would have been hoped because, you know, typically I would have thought maybe a chief exec. Rule every ten years, but I saw the um, what I consider to be my final opportunity to work abroad came up. Was delighted to be accepted to go out and be a uh, Scottish Development International's person out in the the grandly titled Americas, so North America, but also a little bit of working.
1: President South of the America. Americas. Yeah, it's a
0: <laughs> it's a fascinating title to be president of the Americas. I mean, president is a. is a a very much an American title it's what what US uh, corporates respond to you see a president of your company is largely Mm -hmm. your chief executive and then you have vice presidents who are the next tier of management down and so we had these titles that would respond to the folks that we were trying to access in the role
1: I hope you um, kept some business cards from that
0: time. I did, yeah. I did, and I, you know, I still like to have a little bit of a giggle in terms of what it covers because, you know, the U.S. president only covers the U.S., but I covered U.S., Canada, and as I say, South nice. America. Oh, so it's yeah. a very grand title. Also, so were
1: you travelling a lot then?
0: Pretty across, much yeah. every week. Um, it's when I've done most of my frequent flying. I was based, as I say, latterly in Boston, but we had an office in New York, we had an office in Chicago, in Houston in san jose in toronto and i had uh, two half people for want of a better word um so part-time agents agents in mexico and in brazil um and so it was a case of having to go where clients needed you to go mm. and also it was looking after that team so as well as travel i learned a lot about um um leading over distance so mm-hmm. you know my my uh, my own chief executive was in Scotland. So you know five thousand miles. One my team that looked after one of my teams that looked after was in California. So you know from three hours time this mm. difference, five thousand miles the other way. So just understanding how you work with people when you're not physically in the same location mm. was something I probably hadn't done to that scale before. And um, it made for long days that you just had to accept that was part of the mm. the deal that you know you had to get up it. At, at five to take that call from Scotland, and you might have to sure. deal with your colleagues in the mm-hmm. in the Californian office at nine at night, and that's just part of the arrangement. Mm-hmm. But it was an absolutely fantastic, um, again, making of me experience mm-hmm. to to live and work abroad.
1: Did you learn anything from from American business culture? Oh, that you found huge.
0: Useful? So my team, first of all, first off, my team was a very rich mix of. Um, Scottish expats who understood what Scotland had to offer the United States from a business perspective and also um, American uh, and Canadian nationals who had their own networks and had lived and worked in and so that mix was really great for us because Mm. you could match that kind of knowledge of Scotland and and knowledge of of the market Um, and so working, so first of all my my, my staff colleagues who, who worked for me, who were Americans that learning from them and understanding that you know my my Texan colleagues were very different from my colleagues from Massachusetts, who were very different from my Californian colleagues. That that's the thing about right. the US; it mm. isn't it isn't homogenous mm. in any shape or form. Um, and then from the business cultures there, I think the US business culture generally across the piece is um, very very positive. Very um, um, well, let's give it a try. Let's give you a meeting, you know. So people were very generous with their time. Don't right. waste my time, yeah, but, yeah. but let's let's have hey. the conversation. So very open in a way that I think Brits are a bit more um, reluctant to uh I heard this described in quite a funny way actually, which was uh, that Americans, let me get this right, um ready fire aim and the Brits ready aim form a committee. <laughs> And I think that kind yeah. of gives you that you know, like, well, let's just give it a go. Did we mean to get here? Maybe we didn't mean to get exactly here, yeah, but we yeah. get on and do something and just see. We'll fail a lot and we'll succeed at right. some point. Yeah. Whereas Brits are a bit more. Well, let's plan this out mm-hmm. and and be be clear. So that, that I thought that little summary captured it quite well in terms of what just, I just just do it. Just yeah, let's it, yeah. Do, Just yeah. do it. Yeah. And maybe mm. this, we hadn't thought where we exactly mm-hmm. we wanted to get to, um, which makes them very innovative. Uh, that's why you know places like Silicon Valley is is just an unbelievable place to to work and visit in because there's all of that innovation yeah. and let's give things a go and through some money. There's also maybe a bigger aspiration with the US that they, they think on a larger scale the, clearly the is the a bigger place in terms of a single mm. market in that respect and so maybe they think about bigger ambition from the offing in terms of what the scale of a business could be, sure. and I think scale is another thing that would often come back to for me to think, wow, they've they're really going for it. Yeah. Whereas again, Scottish businesses that we were assisting would maybe think about it very incrementally. Well, we'll go into the Massachusetts market, mm-hmm. we'll go mm-hmm. into the to the uh, New York market mm. but, but you know the kind of scale thing maybe was, was so, so you, you something
1: psychological about the, the landscape I remember driving through Canada and it just makes you think on a bigger big, scale big about sky, everything big, isn't it yeah. but there's no there's no limits
0: Co- correct so yeah. so yeah I think I learned I learned that about them um, that they're they're just uh, they're willing to give it a go um, that you know Feel fast. Try feel yeah. fast. Move on to the next thing. Put the money behind it. Let's let's try and yeah. scale scale things when it works. But you came back. I came back. I knew I would come back. So much though I absolutely adore North America, Canada, and the US. It wasn't home. Um, I was on a contracted. Uh, I was on a contract, a five-year contract, which I eked out for a sixth year. But I always knew I had to return. Hmm. And and you know other colleagues that had done a similar role, some of them stay. They'll go and join a client or and stay on. But I knew that was never going to be me. Some of that was about my family. So my mother was getting older at the time. Um, my father had passed away quite a bit of time before, and I knew I wanted to be home to 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 be able to to access her a bit more in our final final years. So so that became quite important to me. Um, I had met uh, a man in the US. Um turns out, you know, you can kind have of visualised that you're going to have this struggle of having to commute across the Pacific with but that I chose a Dutchman as it turns out. <laughs> so he was also keen to return to Europe to be near his his family. So we decided that, that we would we'd return back. I started to think, okay, I need to look around for my next challenge.
1: Mm.
0: I knew nothing about the Law Society in any detail. I knew it was a professional body, I'm a professional um, myself, I'm still a member of the Institute of Chartered accountants of Scotland and so when I saw the job advertised I thought maybe that's for me. Let me go and have a bit of an explore mm, about, mm, about mm. Um, you know what it what it uh, yeah. has on offer. Yeah. So, so here you are we, here, we are
1: now in the headquarters I, in, in, in central Edinburgh.
0: Indeedy, indeedy um, And you've yeah, been here for ten years. Ten years? I passed my ten year anniversary in um, January past uh, I came in on a change ticket, so the uh, subgroup of their council that were, was recruiting was very clear they wanted somebody that would help them strategically. They'd never had a strategy. Um, they're a decent sized organisation, you know, coming up for £10 million turnover, mm-hmm. if you want to look at that way, 120 staff, and, and you know, wanted, wanted to change. How would I have described us on my arrival? We were. Full of really um, capable people that can be seen from the outside, quite an ivory tower, non transparent, mm. members not really clear what they were getting for their money, stakeholders getting a bit annoyed about about um, the way that we were operating. And so it was a case of just coming in and binding the governance structure, our board, our colleagues to kind of look and, and think, well, well yeah. what is it that.
1: Did, did you encounter much resistance? Change.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose there were two ways I could have gone about it. The, the, the kind of, you know, I can see the picture of you know, what you need to do, and so I'm just going to change out people and change to get there fast, or the, or the evolutionary, look, this is where we need to go, how do we evolve hmm. towards it, and we've done the latter, and I think as a result there hasn't been the resistance that I imagine there would be, mm-hmm. once you engage people in that conversation set standards, set values and what you expect you know, 90% of folks want to yeah. want to go the journey you know, they're not comfortable reading about themselves in the press, you know, that they've had a fight with the Scottish Government or members mm. want to take a motion to a general meeting to cut them in half or whatever it is, mm. and so to me that that um you know, once you, you you say to folks, "Well, let's let's create. What is it we could do over the next five years? What 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 are the goals? What is our aim? And let's all work towards that." It was very much a kind of siloed organisation. You know, there there wasn't mm-hmm. a sense of leadership being brought together, and, and we've done that now. And I and I describe my ten-year journey in two halves: the first five years being the basics get a strategy together it was also the period of recession so doing some you know cost saving measures efficiency measures so we could deliver Mm. that in terms of return to our members Mm -hmm. and then the second five years being a bit more positive uptick in the economy so let's be a bit more um you know um, ambitious about what we can do and what we can achieve and what we go after uh, and we're just coming to the tail end of that. So what, what would you say are
1: the main changes then that, have, that you, you brought about over that decade?
0: I mean, you know, do, do I want to use the word modernising? So definitely as a modernising mm-hmm. feel that we're much more appealing to our members because we look a bit more like they now look. Um, but the kind of three, I would say the three you know big big changes is we are definitely more efficient a lot of that has been brought in by bringing in digital change right self-serve you know paper that was here we've got rid of all of that stuff that was Mm. quite astonishing Mm. and and again I suppose I've I've come from a marketplace and coming from the US where that was you know kind of business as usual to be digital and things on apps and things on websites and Bringing all of that that here, I remember my first conversation with our council when I said we need to be on Twitter, and they were saying, well, "What's Twitter?" <laughs> you know, but we were an early adopter amongst all mm. law societies around the world on that, and that's because I'd seen it in the US and thought, "This is coming." We mm. need to,
1: it's yeah, the easiest yeah. way to
0: communicate with our members. Let's get let's get on there, um, so more more efficient, um, and more customer orientated, and by customer, I talk about our members, talk also about the public and the stakeholder communities there, and, and being. More transparent, reaching out to them, talking to them, and again, technology has helped with that because Mm. you know our old-fashioned ways of bringing people into rooms, people don't have a lot of time, or our old-fashioned ways of writing out big newsletters,
1: right? You know that all becomes
0: much easier and much quicker, And, and when when your membership see you being responsive to things, then you know and that. Measuring all of that has become an important part. Saying, "Well, do we know mm-hmm. we're making progress?" And every indicator goes up every year in terms of how much our members feel we're listening to them, that they're engaged, that they're um, so that. And then the, the last one is is, is probably an, an effectiveness measure that we're constantly looking. So as well as being efficient with all that low hanging fruit around you know, removing costs that, need not, that don't need to be there. There's also that, the, else, what, what else in value can we deliver to you? So different services that we we previously mm. weren't delivering. Um, and, and I think we've made particular progress on that early part of career for members, where maybe we're obsessed with partners in law firms. We're now saying, well, actually, we need to be tracking our members all the way through and offering whatever yes. they need. So. Yeah probably, you know, picking one very popular service, our mentoring scheme for young people, or for young lawyers is very, very popular Mm. because it helps them on their career journey so kind of making sure that we're thinking, is there a service for for members, whatever stage of their career they're in, and whether they're in private practice or whether they're in in in-house inside big corporates or inside the public sector, whether they're in Scotland or whether they're like the 10% that are outside of Scotland and thinking well how do you deliver service to all of them so mm. that would be the third mm. way that I think
1: right. um,
0: is, has been achieved in the 10, yeah, ten yeah. years
1: and the, the society both regulates the legal profession and represents it, is that a tricky balance to maintain?
0: It, it, it is in the, that the words um, you know kind of can get polarised and you know can, can, one, can you do one thing while you do the other we, we talk about ourselves as a professional body but a professional body like You know, Chartered Accountancy Institute or the Architects Board, and so on. And for me, the the telltale thing for me that these are mutually supportive issues are is when we ask, we do a member survey every year, and we ask the question, what is the most important thing we do for you? And the first thing they say is regulate us to high standards. And of course it is because they care about the, the. qualification and the, the brand that they hold, the mm. practice certificate they hold, that it means something to the outside world, whether that's because they're at an the early stage and they're transferring employers, or whether that means because they're delivering to a client, or whether it's because they've been recruited by a large PLC and they want to know that this lawyer has a has substance. And so, to me, that tells you that those things are promoting the profession and regulating them. They're mutually mm. supportive. The profession doesn't want to have bad folks inside it with poor standards. Because that reflects on the whole profession, so I think there's a lot of um, a lot of kind of muddying of that. I think where people think of us, if they if they think of us as a trade union, then that's where it's a bit odd. But actually, mm. we're not a trade union; sure. we're a professional yeah. body. Yeah. We shouldn't, um, you know, be stepping into right. that territory right. of. Because these are all businesses that, that, that our members are part of. Yeah. And that, that market served by other course, yeah. and different yeah. organisations.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the unusual things about your role as well, Lorna, is the fact that you, you work with a different president each year. So yeah, yeah. How does that
0: work? So, um, how does it work? It works. Uh, so the one thing that they all have in common, they'll all be very different, different characters from different types of backgrounds, some small firms, large firms, in-house close close to retirement still working um in the profession and the thing that they all care about is their profession and their professional body and so that's the binding characteristic the fact that you know our council and board sign off a strategy they see the role as delivering their year of that so mm. it's it's you know it, it may seem um Wow, it's like like getting a new chair every year. But actually, we know who's going to be it a year and a half before, and they right. start this vice yes. presidential, presidential, sure. past president. So it's kind of a three year journey, and typically they're they're the they're the voice of the profession or the face mm. of the profession. They're leading the profession, and I'm leading the organisation. Mm. So, I've um, I've had great presidents uh, who have picked up issues that they've been very passionate about and seen it through the three years. Right. So we'll yeah. early identify. Okay, is there something? Out of this strategy that you particularly want to take from vice presidency all the way through, mm. and that works very well. But yeah, I, I, you know, it's it was something I I hadn't had before. You know, where I'd had chairs, that had been maybe three to five year chairs. Yeah. And uh, it's it's different, but it's it's yeah. I, I you know I, I wouldn't change it. I'm, keeps things fresh. Keeps things yeah. fresh. Keeps them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And and again, it's I think it's really important that they are. There's a um, a face on that, or a person on that, that, that lots of different types of people can relate to. So if it was always somebody that was a partner in a small firm in private practice, mm. then those that are in the public sector or those that are in the private sector or those that are in large firms can't always relate. So the fact that we get this mix, then people are kind of like, oh, well, OK, we're all, we are all one profession. You know, right. that's, the, yeah, that's yeah. the binding feature. Sure, yeah, yeah.
1: So, in your role now, what 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 are the next challenges that you're aiming to? Tackle?
0: Next challenges, we'll we'll soon be looking at a, at a, at another five year strategy. We're coming right. to the tail end. I've been talking to my senior leadership team here about um, so do we go up another gear change or is this one is it a refresh? You know, because we've yeah. got five strong goals there, and is it an iteration of each of them. Mm. So we're just going to talk to our board just now about how we should do this, putting together that that. Um, context piece that always should start any strategy what's going on in in politically economically for this profession and socially Mm. and when we we were kind of thinking well what things have changed since we since we cast our last five-year plan and of course Brexit wasn't on the horizon Mm. then so there are there are some things that haven't changed and then there are some things that have been quite major so know, a chance to just refresh all that and right. saying, "Are we missing a trick anywhere? Is there anything else we should reach for?" Hmm. Um, in, in terms of goals, so yeah.
1: Still hungry in the role or looking for maybe something else? Looking through the um, flights you can take around the yeah, world. Yeah, well, do you know the,
0: that travel bug thing. Maybe it's been satisfied with the role I play with Highlands and Islands airports. Ah, so sure. I've ended up cheering them. So I do my chief executive now four on average four days a week hmm. at high, the airports, a day a week. Right. And that, um, it came about, going back to a point I made to you earlier about about this restless need to keep growing and learning. And about four, four or five years ago, I said to my president and board at that time, um, look, I need something to keep me fresh or I'm going to mm-hmm. start, you know, maybe not performing for you as well. And we agreed we should go, I should go and find a non-exec role. And I mm. found this role on on airport's board as a non-exec and a chair of the audit committee again leaning on my financial skills um so i did that for for uh i had done that for three plus years and um for reasons i won't go into they lost their chair overnight and so the shareholder which is scottish government came and said well would you pick up the chair in an interim basis until we fix things came and talked to my board here and said look this is a my commitment has been a day a month this is now a day a week yeah how would we cope with that have a great senior leadership team that i spent a lot of time developing yeah uh, beneath me so we said right okay between us we could do this we'll just push more of the chief exec's job down to to them give them a chance to grow as well Mm -hmm. and you can do this in the interim and of course you start doing these things and four months down the line people start to say you know you're you're doing this quite well. You should maybe think of putting your hat in the ring. Had that conversation with that. Could it be done on a more permanent basis? So that's what I did. I, I put myself forward and right. shocked right. myself by being their selected, uh, wow. their selected candidate. Yeah. Uh, so Highlands and Islands Airports, based uh, headquartered in Inverness. Um, they are uh, they run 11 airports, so my board role will take me to all of the airports, so they're on islands, in the highlands, and we've also got an airport at Dundee, and I can a cycle of three years, and then often at, at Inverness, but more often than not, actually very much blended with the day job, uh, with the law society, because have meetings with airlines there often in Glasgow, or Edinburgh. Occasionally, I need to go to London, mm. so it's it's not a job that's you know I go one day a week to Inverness. That's not how it how mm. it operates.
1: So beyond all that, um, what's what what's the rest of your life left? <laughs> <From> life <laughs> like, like, you, you live in Edinburgh, I think, do you? No, I, no, do. I live right. in
0: Stirling. So right. I commute every day when I'm in Edinburgh, but as I say, I'm, I could be anywhere. It's nice. Mm. Stirling's a nice spot when you're getting up to Inverness and yeah, over yeah. to Aberdeen or. Uh, flying elsewhere, um, so yeah, I live what's,
1: what's your typical weekend
0: like? Uh, yeah, I, I thought you might ask me that. So, I guess the typical part of my weekends—I don't have—I don't think I have typical weekends. But typical things that are are, are the who's rather than the what and the where. Mm. So, um, the who are my 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 friends and family, mm. my husband, our, our our daughters, occasionally our son. He's in Holland. Um, uh, and uh, we we uh, uh, you know socialise. Generally, it'll involve um, fun, laughter, music, drinks. You know, so we're very much those people yeah. that could be going to see a movie. This last weekend, I I was singing in a festival oh, wow. uh, with a choir that right. I'm part of. A, yeah. a choir of ladies uh, singing songs from the. Uh, from the um, the movies and musicals right. uh, so my family were there supporting me this next weekend it's a meet up with my sister and her daughter who's just returned from Canada having spent a bit of her uh, undergraduate there so it's generally about seeing people being with people mm-hmm. I do enjoy singing so that's become a, a kind of hobby thing that I, I do don't know that I'm particularly good at it but it's a, definitely a de-stressor right. But yeah, you know it's it's uh, it's social. Um, my husband and I have a have a property in France that we're doing oh, up, right. so our holidays are about going there and literally DIYing. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you see that not quite escape to the chateau because it's not so big, but those kind of moments. I love of, that yeah, yeah, well, you know, getting. Uh, trying to uh, take things to the, to the, to the and going to the bricolage wow. to pick up paints and you know small cement mixers or whatever mm. that's, that's our, our holidays mm. so yeah just full of a variety of things that keep me from getting bored uh, but always involving friends and family because right. that's, right. that's what I do all of this for
1: brilliant last question if you're able to give a single piece of advice to the young Lorna Jack as she was leaving the University of Aberdeen what would it be?
0: I would uh, refer your listeners to um, this poem by a guy called Kent uh, um, Keith called Anyway. I don't know if you've ever come across no. it. Um, it's uh, it's um, really a kind of uh, I think they call it the paradoxical commandments. It's often um, referred to as Mo- Mother Teresa's poem, but it's it's actually been written by by this this man called Kent Keith. Um, there's a line in it that says, uh, "Give the world your best. It may never be enough, but give your best anyway." Um, so I would uh, say that that would be my my um, you know uh, kind of advice to myself. I think my younger self worried about what people might think mm. and whether I you know I would be fitted or accepted or. And and I think now, I think, well, it doesn't matter. Just give your best. There'll yeah. always be detractors. There'll always be people who think you maybe could have done better or this or that. And at the end of the day, it's not really about them. It's about, you know, your, your mm-hmm. own... Um, your, your own uh, self-worth and your own uh, ambition for yourself so yep. yeah and and you know uh, if I had time I would have uh, recited it to you in full <laughs> but I, I uh, say to anybody that they should go and have a look at that because it's a super piece of life advice.
1: Lorna that's that's very intriguing I think you should recite the full poem.
0: Delighted to do that so this is Anyway by Keith M Kent. People are often unreasonable, illogical and self-centred. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and your God, whatever you perceive that to be. It was never between you and them anyway. It was
1: a fantastic way to, to finish off. Lorna Jack, thank you very much.
0: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
1: Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world your best anyway. Wonderful advice from Lorna. Hope you enjoyed that, and we'll be back again in two weeks.
0: To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.